we have this whole team of data scientists that work with us and they eat a lot of Funyuns and spicy Cheetos. <laughs> but every once in a while, they tackle the toughest of trail running questions for us. They run all their, I don't know, algorithms and they normalize some equations. They do some standard deviations and they, they just do some great work. Yeah. I mean, after they get done web scraping, they kind of come back over to us and said, well, that was a huge clustering. I mean, cluster. And so they kind of bring all that stuff back to us and they go through the decision trees all the way down to the roots, honestly. Hi, this is Kate, and I'm a big-ass runner from the tiny town of Deer Trail, Colorado, where we don't have trails, but we've got dirt roads for days. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner Podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your hosts who think the Vander Vest life is the best life, and they ain't wrong, Jeff Harrell and Stephen Pritt. Well, thank you, Kate. We ain't wrong. The Vander life... It was the Vander Vest life. I can't even say it. She said it so well. The Vest life is the best life. Kate said that so well. I got all tongue-tied. You did. It's crazy. Well, thank you, Kate, for that great introduction. Yes, and Deer Trail, that sounds amazing. It sounds like endless miles of trails. So, yeah, if you guys don't follow Kate, she's amazing. She's at Nezmom, N-E-Z Mom, on Instagram. And she is a, a boy mom and a wife and doing some amazing things out there, just kicking it on the trails. Yes, thank you, Kate, for that great introduction. Well, Stephen, this is the Big Ass Runner. I'm Jeff Harrell. And I'm Stephen Prince. This is, believe it or not, Stephen, can you believe this? Hang on, listen to this. Episode number 48. Oh my goodness, that it makes a lot of sense because I think our last episode was episode 47. That's true. And, you know, not having the data scientists here on set, that makes a lot of sense. And it does feel like maybe we're two away from 50. I know. I'm, Something like that. I feel like I'm old. Does that mean we're going to start getting stuff from like AARP for podcast? Probably so. Okay. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> like, so Congratulations. Annoying. You need some podcast Geritol or I don't know, whatever they give people. <laughs> some padded underwear. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Path has those or not. No, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. We're really digressing in her. We are. <laughs> we have a great show planned, Stephen. In segment one, it's a new segment. Yeah. It's very familiar. Uh-huh. But it is new. It's called My First Trail Run. And it has one of our listeners who just maybe did their very first trail run. Yeah, Jeff, it's it's fun because, you know, we created this podcast for everyday trail runners and we're starting to see a lot of people doing their first trail races. And so a lot of people who are listening are going out there, whether it's an ultra marathon or a 10K or whatever. And we have people out there that are experienced in trail running. So we thought it'd be fun to hear from people with their very first experience of trail running. And, and we've all been to that situation before. So hopefully it'll inspire you if you haven't taken the plunge yet, or if you have, it'll bring back good memories of your first trail race. Yes. And this first segment, this very first ever segment is a special guest. I won't even say who it is, Stephen. I want to tease it. I cannot wait. It's so exciting. In our second segment, back by popular demand, mainly because of their popular demand, not because of the listeners necessarily, the data scientists are back. Yeah, they've been clamoring, knocking at our doors, sending us emails, text messages, even offers for Bitcoin. And I'm just like, okay, guys, just just chill out. It's going to be okay. But they've been doing some research for us. They're very excited about it. And so some people have been asking some questions and we said, okay, data scientists, you can come back. And and so they've found some answers for us. 
They've been data mining, Stephen. They've been doing some different data journalism things. (laughs) I mean, they've been doing regression testing. It's incredible what they can do. Yeah, it is. I think the applied machine learning has just gone a little bit overboard. So they're very excited to show out their results. So we've held them off as long as we can, guys. But we've got a really good question from one of our listeners, and we're going to answer it for you guys. That's awesome. But before that, Stephen, I thought since we're going to have our first segment be my first trail race from one of our listeners, I thought we could talk a little bit about our first trail race. That's a great idea. Isn't that a great idea? See yeah. that theme that's working there, Stephen? Man, we are so not smart. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> well, so Jeff, tell me about your first trail race, because I think I remember a little bit about it, but you naturally did not start out on the trail and no. you started out doing like was it half marathons or marathons i was doing i did a marathon in 2001 and then started doing obstacle course races yeah a few years later probably actually several years later i didn't really run between my marathon <laughs> and these obstacle course races that probably started in around 2012 okay and then we started training for these ocr races out at Irwin Park on the trails. And that's what got me interested in running trails to begin with. I didn't like road running. Mm-hmm. I have done quite a few halves since then, but more because we were training for trail right. races. And so I really don't enjoy running in the road. Although I'm doing my second marathon ever in January, no, in December. Yeah. Because it will have been 20 years between my first and my second. And I'm trying to shave an hour off my time. I think you're going to do, especially with your heart rate training. I've, oh my gosh. I've never actually ran a marathon on a road before. So um, I'm interested to see how that goes for myself. So. It's, it's going to be fun. Well, my first trail race was actually an ultra. Really? It was Bandera. <laughs> one of the hardest. Way, I mean, way to take it easy, Jeff, and start out slow on, on a nice easy 5K here. Yes. I was inspired because the year that I did it, this would have been four years ago. Uh-huh. I was turning 50 that next year. And I thought, well, let's do a 50K when we're turning 50. Yeah. And the race was actually going to be before my 50th birthday. That was okay. It's close enough. And so I started training for this. And Timmy Times training with me as well. And he goes, yeah, I'll do it with you. And he'd never done it. I think he'd even done a half marathon at that point. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'll do it with you. No problem. So he's, he, I don't know how much he even trained for it. I don't think the guy ever trains. It's amazing what he can do. So I trained pretty hard for it. We get to Bandera. It's in January, and it's uh, it's pretty cold. I remember we huddled up. You know, you you get those butterflies, and you're excited. And I remember the thing that struck me was the amount of conversations that were happening before the race. Like we met <laughs> so many people before the race, right? We did actually have a little bit of a challenge. We said, which one of us can meet more people? Because we'd heard about the culture of trail running. And so we thought, you know, which one of us can, we're both seven Enneagram, can meet more people? Of course, Timmy Time won. Right. I don't think he's ever met a stranger. So that's kind of an unfair bet there. He's a seven wing seven. So (laughs) he's a seven on steroids. But yeah, just the the thing that struck me was the casual atmosphere. It felt more like a festival. Right. It felt like friends gathering up to go on this journey together. And I just remember we met a couple of guys who had come from all over. Well, not a couple of guys. There have been a lot of people that weren't even from Texas. Right. From all over the place. And so that was unique too. So I just, I loved that right off the bat, even before we had started our very first mile and our first ultra, 
I just love the atmosphere and, and the community. Yeah. I think that's what people, they come for the race, but they fall in love with the community. I'm sure there's a phrase for that, but I think that's the thing that keeps people coming back. And I know a lot of people are seeing it on Instagram. A lot of people are starting to get back to racing, live racing with real people and stuff. And it's just so refreshing to do that. When you're doing hard things, it's much better to do it with people anyway. No doubt about it. Well, what about your first trail experience, Stephen? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, Jeff. Mine probably starts when I was way younger. I got into running actually in middle school and I learned about this thing going into high school called cross country so you know it's basically like trail running it's just they never had it back then so I always make a joke that trail running is like adult cross country but more on a recreational base so I grew up my high school years in, in Missouri and they actually have hills and woods and so we used to run on horse trails oddly enough so Ooh, Clydesdales yeah pretty much and so all of our training and Missouri there's parts of Missouri that are very hilly so we would actually go out and run on these horse trails throughout these state parks and that kind of stuff and that's how we got running now actually in cross country you don't run in that technical of an area but that's where we trained usually you'd, you'd run on like on maybe like things like golf courses or more open parks but but some of them had, you know, trees and that kind of stuff. But we would actually physically go run on trails like back in the woods and that kind of stuff. And um, it was a lot of fun. And that's kind of where I fell in love with it. And so as I got older and like, oh, this trail racing looks a lot like that. So we would do kind of fun things like, you know, we'd get up really early and go train. And so a lot of like the freshmen would get really eager and want to show off. And so they would go ahead and we would let them go ahead because pretty soon we knew that there was cobwebs and spiders and you'd hear all this beep, 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 you know, like kind of thing. So just being outside and being in the woods and that was really kind of fun. And then, you know, as I said, as getting older, experiencing that and you kind of actually got me into trail running because I'd always run on the road since then and you're like hey we're you're gonna do this trail race and stuff I was like what you know and and I was like well it kind of sounds like cross country and then oddly enough my first real real trail race was Bandera as well so up in that point, I'd never run. Well, I had run a half marathon, but with you. Yep. And that was my first half marathon. And then went straight into a 50K, never run a marathon before. So I actually remember being at Bandera. It was a year that it, it's, it wasn't at the original course. It had was, to move it because of all the uh, rain. Yeah, crazy rain. And I remember we all kind of got separated that race. You know, we kind of all just started to filter out. And I remember being a part of this one place in this camp area it reminded me of like some kind of zombie land and i remember being by myself and going this really sucks and then you're you know your watch beeps and i look down and it's like 27 miles like holy heck that's crazy i've never would have thought that i would have run you know past that i'm like oh i'm, I'm almost done so so yeah so my first like real real for official trail race was at bandera a few years ago but rooted and grounded in cross country back in high school and i think that bandera is a hard race uh -huh. i think where they moved it was even harder yeah because of the amount of trees remember that one area where you had to kind of weave through the trees and it was two-way traffic yeah two-way traffic and you're tall and i'm you know I'm a little bit you know, i mean not as tall as you but you could not run you had to hunch over right to, to actually physically get through this stuff and i remember one point in time we were running and i had to tap on a guy's shoulder 
to get around him because he wasn't moving because it was a single track and you had people going 100k and 50k and that was a very hard race it was but the race director chris did such a great job i mean they had to move that like two i think he was telling us that story like a couple of days before yeah not a couple of days, literally, but I think he found out the week before and we got the email, like I think a few days where they had figured out all the things that they had to do to move this whole race from one city or one town to another. It was pretty incredible how they pulled that off. I, I actually remember that. I was actually at a party kind of like celebrating the new year and, and we got that text and I looked down and I was like, is this thing going to still be on? Because we'd put all that training in and here it's a little bit different. And then I don't know how it's like in other states, but when it rains, they just shut down the trails, you know? So there's no running on them officially. Not that we do or don't do them. I'm not saying anything, but um, just saying that they shut it down. So you're right. They had to move a whole entire race. And we were like, put all this training in there. Is it going to happen? But yeah, it was. it's a great experience and, and just fell in love with it ever since. Well, we would love to hear about your very first trail race. So if you want to reach out to us, we would love to tell your story as well. With that, Stephen, let's get going on episode number 48 of The Big Ass Runner. Stephen, as we mentioned in the open, this is a new segment. I'm really excited about it because it's great to hear. You know, we just told a little bit about our first ultra, our first trail race. Right. It's always great to hear newbies' experiences. <laughs> yeah. And feedback. And, you know, it's kind of like you know, Christmas through the eyes of a kid. You know, what are the things you notice and that you see? And there's always themes that emerge. Right. And so we reached out to one of our buddies, uh, Andy Allen. Everyone loves Andy. He's been on the podcast before. He talked about his why. And I thought he'd be a great one because I heard that he had run his first or took part in his first trail race. Yeah, this is an amazing story. And he's traditionally not run on the trails. And so for your first time to do a big race, it seems like everybody's doing these huge races on their first trail race. But go big or go home. Exactly. Well, I've broken this up into three different parts. So let's hear this part one of Andy Allen's first trail race. Hey, y'all. This is Andy Allen, big-ass runner from Augusta, Georgia, home of that tiny golf tournament that we host every April called the Masters. I recently ran my first official trail race. It was the 50-mile Firebreak Ultra. It's part of the Upstate Ultra Series. I was able to do this as a relay option with a couple of friends and was asked to share my experience of that first trail race. The biggest thing that I noticed just kind of right out of the gate was the change in atmosphere. You know, with road racing, particularly those that are really big, I mean, it is a production, like a stadium concert, right? You get there at six in the morning, There's loud music bumping. There's like club lights popping off. There's a hype man on an elevated stage somewhere near the starting line who's moving the corrals up. It is craziness. And I'm sure that all of that is well designed to get your adrenaline pumping and put you in race mode. For me, it just amplifies my anxiety and already obnoxious amount of pre-race jitters. So 
it was a really nice change of pace to be in a much more relaxed and laid back atmosphere. Nobody was in a rush that morning. Runners and their crews, their families, their friends were rolling out blankets on the grass. People were setting up tents. They were putting up sun canopies. There was cornhole going on. Tailgates were coming down. People are walking around just casually talking, catching up with old friends, making new ones, just hanging out. It was almost like going to a barbecue with intermittent loops of running. So that was just a lot of fun to see. I know the aid stations are a really big deal at trail races. This race had one aid station since it was a five mile loop. And I'm a bit ashamed to admit publicly, I never actually made it over to the aid station to check it out. Uh, But in my defense, that was because for the first time ever, I was encouraged to bring my own real food to a race. And I came pretty well prepared. I had a variety of sandwiches, little Debbie cakes. There was some pop tarts going on. certainly had more responsible options like bananas and water and electrolytes, but I was really excited to treat that day like a nice little picnic, particularly since I was doing the relay. Definitely looking forward to exploring aid stations as I run more trail races going forward, though. Well, I love a couple of things Andy said. He hit the atmosphere thing kind of like I did. Yeah. I think that was one of the things I noticed. He noticed, too. I love how he said, hype man, getting people <laughs> moving the corrals up. I totally resonated with that because we do the rock and roll every once in a while. And that's what it feels like. It's like a rave, an outdoor rave, right? It is. Exactly. They compared it to a barbecue. That's such a perfect thing. It's like, yeah, friends at a barbecue, stuff cooking all over the place, people rolling out blankets. That's what I love about trail races. Yeah. And I like his food better. I mean, I'm like, Forget the aid station. If, if you've got little W snack cakes and Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts. I'm, I'm going to Andy's aid station. Forget that one. Yes. Yeah, I think his selection was fantastic. But then he also talked about responsible options. <laughs> that cracked me up. You don't need to adult when you're trail running. When you're running that many miles, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. Well, let's hear a little bit more from Andy. Another observation I had was just how relaxed the solo runners were when completing their loops. They're certainly competitive and they're so fast on trail. How people are able to just glide over roots and rocks and things like that at that speed is beyond me. But man, so, so cool just to see how calm they were on the outside. They'd come in from their loops. They'd take these short little one to two minute breaks at their tents or their blanket areas They'd grab a quick drink of water, some electrolytes, maybe take in some nutrition. For those that had crews with them, you know, they may lay down and get their calves rolled out or, or their legs rolled, maybe a little quick massage, and then they were off again. But it was never like there was this manic sense of urgency like you would probably see in a road race to get back out as fast as possible. It was really just kind of all about coming in taking the time that you needed to hit the reset button for a second and then going back out and continuing to run your race. Even now, just talking about that really blows my mind how calm everything was. Out on the trail, just the trail itself, you know, this event was held at Harbison Forest, which is a live working forest with a trail system 
in it. So absolutely beautiful. It looked like fresh pine straw had been laid down the night before the run specifically to give it like this staged look. I mean, it was so well manicured. The colors were so vibrant because it's that real working forest. There were sections of the loop where you'd be under a canopy and then you'd pop out into a clearing and you could see where they'd done some burning or some other maintenance sort of things for the forest. And that was just such a unique thing to see. And also on the trail, when you're running your loops, it was a really new experience for me to have other runners talk to me while I'm, while I'm running. I am really used to uh, more solo runs where, you know, I just kind of zone out or put on my music with my podcasts. Trail running is just such a nice reprieve from that, but it's still kind of a shock to me that people will run with you and hold a conversation. So like I would be running along and I'd look over to my left and there's one or two people that have just saddled up beside me and they're striking up a conversation. And before I know it, like two or three miles have gone by. And that was just really cool. Like it was almost like each loop that you ran, you just had a new running buddy and you got to know people. It was really reaffirming to see that level of human interaction. Yeah. I love how Andy latched onto what we've did from the very beginning too, is that trail runners are just a little different. Yeah. You know, they're more friendly. I think a lot of it has to do. I remember one time I was running a trail, I think of a half marathon and I tried a road race. I tried to strike up a conversation with someone I was running next to me. <laughs> and I'm like, they're so rude. They're not even looking over. And then I realized, no, they're listening to music. They can't hear anything I'm saying. Yeah. And trail running is so different. Yeah. I've always maintained that road running is all about the destination. It's like getting to the finish line as fast as you can. And, and again, I know trail running is, is racing, but to me, trail racing is more about the journey. It's more about what it takes to get through the journey and about the people and the places and the atmosphere and the food and all those kinds of things. So I 100% agree with, with Andy's assessment there. He cracks me up with some of the way he says things that people saddled up next to him. <laughs> totally relate to that though. You know, you have people, you're running along all of a sudden, you just kind of settle up next to somebody. I remember it was uh, it was out at Rocky Raccoon where I ran into Caroline who's wearing these really cool shoes and right. asking her about those and now she listens to the podcast and so yeah you just make friends on the trails yeah the only time I don't like that Jeff is when you're running and then you know it's like okay I'm ready to go by myself again and then you kind of get ahead of that person. And then they pass you and then you pass them. That to me, like, uh, then it becomes like, I don't know why, maybe I'm just competitive. competitive. Yeah, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to exhaust my energy just to get away from you at some point in time. So that's the only part where I'm like, okay, I I need to distance myself. Okay, well, let's finish this three-part with Andy. Here's Andy's conclusion of my first trail race. One of the things that surprised me was how far some of the runners traveled for this race. I believe I heard during the course of the day that this particular race was a qualifier for one that was a a more prominent 50 mile race. So it was neat to be a part of that and see car tags from really Northern States or really Western States, not just the surrounding region. And I had my first Instagram running celebrity sighting that day. I came into the Instagram running community toward the end of 2019. So I was here for three or four months and COVID happened and shut down live racing. 
And so the idea that you can actually run into people that you either follow or develop friendships with on Instagram at a real live race is still so foreign and novel to me. But I did see Lindsay Walter, who's uh, Lindsay Hannah three on Instagram, for those of you who may follow her. And that was just such a cool experience to just see somebody kind of out of that Instagram square standing in front of you. She was running solo. We were well into the race when I realized who she was and I I didn't want to distract her. But that was just such a cool thing to know that we have the opportunity as live racing resumes to hopefully come together and, and fellowship on the trail and on the roads. Overall, I really enjoyed this race and the experience it provided. I am certainly hooked on trail running and racing. I am currently training for Chicago and an Ironman event in the fall and kind of wrapping up some deferred races from 2020. So I'm taking a bit of a break away from trails as I train for those things because my luck is that I will trip over a route or try to dodge a nope rope and hurt myself somehow and I'll lose four or five weeks of training. That is just my luck with things. But I am really excited about 2022 and being more intentional about trail racing and tackling my first solo 50K and and really kind of moving up from there. The best part of this race for me was really getting to do it with friends. I got to do this with one of my best friends, Ian. We started our racing journey together in 2019. We both trained for the Savannah Rock and Roll Marathon together. I don't believe either of us had ever run a distance longer than a 5K at that time. For me, it had been some years since I had done anything active. So it's always just a really great thing when I get to share a race with him. He has certainly moved on to do much bigger things and has almost exclusively gone to trail running. He's going to be participating in the Tahoe 200 in September. So super excited for him. Can't wait to cheer him on with that. But that was just a a really cool thing. You know, for road running, it's almost something I like to do exclusively alone. Trail running is certainly a a group effort or or something that I, I want to do with friends. It's just so tough and so fun and offers such a different challenge than road running and is really a unique subculture and something really special to be a part of. And, you know, again, I am just really looking forward to live racing, picking up, getting back to normal, and hopefully getting the chance to meet a lot of the folks that I have developed friendships with through social media and getting to run with you and meet you in real life at those races. I cannot wait to hear more stories about others and their first trail runs in future episodes. And Jeff and Steven, guys, thank you for having me to talk about this. Thank you for all you do for our running community at large. Specifically, of course, the trail running community, you make this so fun and um, the herd loves and appreciates you both. Bye, y'all. Well, we really appreciate Andy sharing that. And he's right, Stephen, being part of this trail running subculture, as he called it, right, is special. I feel the sense of honor just to be a part of it, to have made friends through this podcast, through different races. It's just a fun thing to be a part of. 
Yeah, and it's very welcoming. You know, again, not to overly compare and contrast, you know, trailer versus road, but I feel like there's obviously the spirit of competition. But anybody going out there trying to do whatever they can do to finish it, it's just a very open-armed, welcoming community. That's what's so great about it. I mean, it really makes it really fun. And and to to hear somebody like Andy to to have that first experience that you know at, at that relay is is pretty cool. So we're looking forward to doing some more of these, but. Just hearing people's first experience, the trailers, whether they're good or bad or indifferent, it's really helpful. And, and maybe we'll also learn some tips and tricks along the way. Absolutely. Well, I will say one thing. We're going to run a race with Andy at some point. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be 2022 <laughs> or 2023, but it's going to happen. Andy, we're going to run a race with you. Hopefully we get that honor to, to do that with you at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love to figure out a way to do that at some point in time. Well, this was fun, Stephen. This first segment ever of My First Trail Race. I'm very excited to hear others as well. Yeah, thank you so much, Andy, for doing that. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. And we're enjoying this. And we'll, we'll have some more of these coming up. With that, that is our very first My Very First Trail Race. Well, Stephen, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there. Just making it happen. Who do we have this week? So, Jeff, we actually have Mandy Hernandez, and she's on Instagram on Run Moo Run, which I love that Instagram handle. And Mandy is actually a relatively new runner, but she's an animal lover and a mom. And just making it happen, she's actually reading a really cool book that I've seen a lot of people read. It's called I Hate Running, and you can too. But it's actually really a book about how to get started and and running and keep going. And I love the subtitle. It's Making Sense of an Irrational Passion. So congratulations, Mandy. Really, you know, you're out there getting going and running. And I've seen on Instagram, you know, even when it's hot and muggy, you're out there making it happen. And that's really what this is all about. This is the everyday trail runner, runner out there making it happen. And we just wanted to say congratulations, especially for being a newer runner. Way to go and keep after it out there. And she sent us coincidentally, Stephen, because our next segment is Ask the Data Scientist. She saw on her Instagram feed an application for data scientist and sent it to us. Our data scientists got a little jealous. They, they got a little out of flutter. Yeah, there was a little bit of a data scientist data kerfluffle happening. And <laughs> exactly. That, let's just say there was an imbalance in the equations and the ratios going on. So, <laughs> you know, Jeff, you and I have to do that every once in a while. Sit down the employees and tell them, listen, there's enough slide rules to go around. You know, we will feed you plenty of protractors and compasses and everybody can get back on their computer. So, after we said that, we just were saying that we value your profession and that our listeners were just sharing in that value that we're not going to replace you. They're not going to be replaced yet. Well, with that, way to go, Mandy. Stephen, just as we mentioned, we have this whole team of data scientists 
that work with us and they eat a lot of Funyuns and spicy Cheetos. <laughs> but every once in a while, they tackle the toughest of trail running questions for us. They run all their, I don't know, algorithms and they normalize some equations. They do some standard deviations and they, they just do some great work. Yeah. I mean, after they get done web scraping, they kind of come back over to us and said, well, that was a huge clustering. I mean, cluster. And so they kind of bring all that stuff back to us and they go through the decision trees all the way down to the roots, honestly. And they try to find out what is the deep applied learning that they can take to that and bring it down to us, the common folk. So we kind of just, you know, say, okay, well, you know, Bring your data pipelines over and hook it up and we'll see what happens. So yeah, so this week we've got a question in by one of our listeners and it's actually kind of applicable to something we're going to be doing pretty soon. Exactly. I was hanging out in the data warehouse the other day. <laughs> Just, you know, I, I asked if I could have some Funyuns. I enjoy some Funyuns from time to time. They get pretty protective though. Right. Of the Funyuns. Is there a data forklift in there? There is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a forklift in, in the data warehouse. And this question came in, and you're right, Stephen, it, it applies to us because this is something we are trying to obtain. Right. But the question that came in from a listener was, why when you do a 100K or 100 miler, do you get, instead of the you know normal metal, you get a belt buckle? Why is that? Well, yeah, you know, it's funny because us being from Texas, we're like, why not? Why I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, everybody, you know, don't doesn't it come with a bolo with it, you know, kind of thing. But we soon realized, and the data scientists, you know, they're all from the north, obviously. <laughs> they hang out, you know, at those MIT conferences up in Boston, and there's, I think there's a school called Yale or something. Yeah, I think it's Yale. Yale, yes, yeah. and Haverty or Harvard, something like that. I don't know, but they said, well, yeah, that's actually not common. So contrary to it just being a Texas thing, apparently they give belt buckles out a lot. So our listeners wanted to know and we said let's ask the data let's scientist. ask them so i asked them and they got really excited there was all kinds of commotion in the data warehouse they actually made me leave Stephen. Really? you like, own the place uh, well i thought i did <laughs> apparently i don't because they said look jeff we've got to do some data science journalism some data engineering <laughs> some correlation and normalizing and we can't do it with you hovering around eating all our funyuns so i had to leave and let them at it so rude it's when they have to put their slide rules on the pivot tables and clear it off a little bit to make room for all that they had to make sure that they i guess had enough space so jeff when you were there and after you got booted out what was some of the things like i'm curious what was their first thing that kind of came out of their big output well they came running out and i think they were in there for about 20 minutes or so that's quick so yeah a lot of machine learning happened in that 20 minutes right yeah, they came running out and they said, oh, El Jefe, we figured this out. And I said, you know, first of all, I think a simple Google search would probably solve this. They said, no, 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 no. no. We have got to do some standard deviation. Really? Well, I mean, if that's what it takes, I mean, we definitely want the most accurate thing that they could do. So what kind of qualitative analysis did they come back off? Because obviously Google doesn't know what they're doing. So <laughs> Clearly not. Now, here's what they said. They said, okay, here we, we did some, you know, we did our stuff. We did our thing. Right. And here's what we came up with is actually it came from long ago. There were 100 mile races, but it was before aid stations. Oh, okay. Before Oreo cookies and PB&Js and all the great things that you get at an aid station. Right. So people would do these 100-mile races, uh -huh. and they'd have lost so much weight. 
That makes sense. That they needed belts and belt buckles to pull their pants back up. Yeah, that's really weird because, you know, usually when you cross the finish line, they're trying to take off your little bracelet and stuff. But if you're dropping your drawers as you're running across, I could, so awkward. that could be a little bit problematic. And they, they kind of want you to satchel up your pants, I guess, before you head back out. So. Yeah, so I, he gave me that explanation and I thought, you know, it kind of makes sense. But any trail race I've ever seen, no one's wearing belts. So usually, you, you know, you have the drawstring or you tighten your, your shorts. I I don't think that's it. Does that feel right to you, Stephen? No. And yeah, this is like pre-Velcro too. I think it's close. Well, so once you told me that, I was like, okay, well, maybe what we need to do is go back, tap back into those data pipelines and come back out. I mean, I think it's good. And again, they kind of scoff at Google. They just think it's a little bit of a farce. I said, well, listen, guys, that makes sense, but I don't think that's good enough for our listeners. And so I said, you know, why don't you come back? So they did the same thing. They kicked me back out and papers flying everywhere. You hear the keyboards. Kind of like, you know, that scene from Meet the Parents where he's trying to buy the airplane ticket and he's facing the counters, nobody around, and he's just typing, typing, (laughs) typing. That's kind of the sound that was kind of happening going on. So they did come back to me. They texted me something a little bit later and said, okay, well, that's probably true, but this is probably a, a more of a truer thing. And so they said, well, you know, they'd done a lot of research and stuff. And when people go hiking, there's always that concern about bears that are out there. Yeah, especially in Colorado. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw a video the other day about a grizzly bear chasing a black bear and stuff. And so when you're trail running, they teach you, you know, to carry bear spray. And sometimes it's really hard to carry that unless you have a vest on. But a really popular technique is bear bells, you know, and they find that butter bell, except for bears. Right, exactly. So what they decided was that when they're finishing these races, because they're out there for so long and so far away, the odds of seeing a bear are, are pretty good. So one, they found out that if you're running, you start clanging your belt buckle, you start hitting it, that that'll let the, the bears know that you're around and hopefully they'll scamper off. But they also said that bears don't like to ingest metal for some reason. Oh, so probably that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, you think about when you go camping, they might rip open the cooler, but they don't eat the cooler, right? So they figured, well, if trail runners wear the big belt buckles, one, they'll see the shiny object. Two, you can clang on it while you're running. You just got to be careful how you're clanging. And then two, the bears don't like metal. So they're like, that's the reason why they did it. It was more of a safety precaution for runners out of those really long distances. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. But it kind of doesn't make sense because you get the belt buckle after the race. Well, you know, Did you point that out to them? I, well, I was kind of wondering that, but I think that's why they wanted to maybe give it to them after the race. Because then like, well, did they really earn it? And then people were running off with them and stuff. And so, yeah. Honestly, Jeff, I wasn't buying it. You know, it's like, I know you guys were not fans of Google and you're probably using Netscape or America Online, you know, AOL. So I was like, I I really feel like we just need to get one more pass at it because, you know, Jeff, we don't want to pass on fake news, honestly. So let's let's get one more spin at it. Feels like they needed to do a little more data visualization. Because yeah. what I'm visualizing in 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 working for me, yeah, the, the fuzzy logic is just not working. <laughs> Too so, fuzzy. Yeah, it's yeah, fuzzy math and fuzzy logic does not really equate when you're really looking at some of those correlations. So when you push back on them, did they go back a third time and come back with something a little bit more 
reasonable? Yeah, I think this is probably more reasonable because, you know, they spent a little bit more time. They spent about 25 minutes to have 22 minutes this time. And I felt like this seemed a little bit more accurate. So this one is a little bit on the animal-related one. But what they came back with, Jeff, is they actually said that this whole thing of getting the belt buckle actually did not really occur from a human race, actually. Oh, like maybe a maybe a Clydesdale race? Well, yeah, that's exactly Are what happened. Are you serious? Yeah. So apparently a long, long time ago, there was this race that was called the Tevius Cup. And basically, it was a one-day, 100-mile race, but it was done by people on horses. Oh, horses. Kind of like Western States was well, back, that's, back in the day. That's exactly what it was. So the, oh, sweet. So the big race that you and I know of Western States was actually not for two-legged people. It was actually this race um, around, it was called the, the Tevis or the Tevius Race Cup, excuse me. And it was the original race. It was 100 miles in one day, but it was it was a horse race. So imagine a bunch of Clydesdales lining up. Clomping around. Clomping around. And the route of the current Western states is very similar route to this other horse race. And of course, the people that were entering this race, Jeff, were all cowboys. And so became really, really popular back in the 1800s. And they actually would give the finishers a cowboy buckle because they were all cowboys. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah they, I think the Tevis Cup went to the winner. And then anyone that finished within 24 hours got a silver belt buckle. That's exactly right. So That's awesome. Yeah. So then as Western States became more of a foot race and that kind of a challenge, the tradition of the actual belt buckles continued on. Now, you know what? I think the data scientists laying in on the right answer. That feels right to me. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a, like a whole bunch of horse. You know what? It feels like it's really, <laughs> it's really a, the real answer. And, you know, sometimes when in their giddiness and their excitement, they, they just kind of spit out the first thing. And, you know, not everything on the interwebs is real, but I feel like they nailed it on this one. They usually, after three tries, somehow get it right. I don't know why. It's that know. third one that somehow. <laughs> I don't know either how that happens, but they seem like they finally get it on that one. So, Well, Stephen, hopefully you and I will earn our very first belt buckle coming up here in February. If you want to run the Black Canyon 100K with us, we would love to have you out in Arizona. We're very excited about that. We're all training I'm doing the heart rate training, going around in circles. Yeah. Hopefully it'll pay off. <laughs> I think as well. At least you won't get disoriented. I'm starting to run more and, and get ready into shape for that. So we'll be ready, but very excited about that. So if you want a silver belt buckle as well, fortunately you can't bring your horse. You don't have to use your legs. But if you're a Clydesdale or non-Clydesdale, we, we would love to have you. Way to go, data scientists. I'm, I'm going to have to splurge for some spicy Cheetos, I think, Stephen, after that one. I think they got it right after the third try. One of our favorite segments, that is Ask the Data Scientist. Well, Stephen, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 48. It was an awesome episode, in my opinion. Yeah, it was It was my favorite one this week, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We heard from Andy. We had an awesome intro by Kate. And we gave 
kudos and shout outs to Miss Mandy Hernandez. Yes. Yeah. And again, we just hope that you guys like the podcast, that we, we try to do new segments like our first trail race. We again really want this podcast to be for the everyday trail and ultra runner out there. So we're certainly enjoying doing it and hopefully you guys do as well too. And Stephen, I wanted to mention, we got, since we lasted reviews, we mentioned reviews a couple episodes ago. Yeah. We got two more. Thank you guys so much for doing that. That's, yes. that's actually really kind. It really does truly help us. Not just keep us going, but it, it really does help with letting more people actually know about the podcast. Well, Running Kaniac, and I know who that is. He's doing an intro here in a couple weeks. What? Yes. Said, by far my favorite podcast, and it's not just for trail runners. I'm not an all-the-time trail runner, but I still get a lot from this podcast. It's not overly technical. Boy, ain't that the truth. (laughs) But they have some great content that mixes in humor. Highly recommend. Thank you so much for that, Running Kaniac. And Billy Arnold, we mentioned him a couple episodes ago, Yeah, also said my favorite podcast. Although not very often a trail runner, I absolutely love this podcast. Two down-to-earth guys and a cast of others that show up from time to time, combine humor stories and just plain good old advice to entertain to the fullest. Definitely check it out. So thank you, Billy. Yeah, that is sincerely very kind of you guys. And we do sincerely appreciate that. So thank you for sending those reviews in. It means a lot to us and it lets other trail runners know that whether you're a trail runner, road runner, or just starting out and running or want something to listen to while you're running it doesn't really matter we're just glad that you guys are a part of it and speaking of which jeff you know one thing that people can do you know we we try to create a sense of community in one way is obviously on instagram but another way that people can really join that community is actually through strava so if you haven't been on strava or maybe you don't use it as a tool to track it's kind of like a social media meets metrics kind of platform but we actually have a big ass runner group on there and i think we have over 200 people now that are part of that yeah it's awesome that group and we've got leaderboards and strava just recently released some ways that we can have some interactivity with challenges or goals that we can meet jeff i want to say congratulations to you you've been up on the leaderboard um you know podiuming on just distance and and that kind of stuff so i had to do a screen capture because i was in the top (laughs) 10 yeah for a day wow yeah i was pretty excited this week it's not going so well Uh, well last week you were like in the top four so that was true that's pretty impressive so it's just a great way to get to know the runners and maybe you're looking for somebody to run with in the community that you're in. So we just encourage you, if you haven't joined the Strava group, do so and we'll start posting some different things on there from time to time. We'd also love to give a big shout out and thanks to our two partners. Path Projects, as you guys know, is absolutely awesome. Great guys, but also great products. Their shorts, Stephen, and their liners are by far the best. And their hats. You just got one for Father's Day. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and shirts. Again, just everything they make is quality. We genuinely had their gear before we even started to partner with them. And even if we didn't partner with them, we'd still use their gear and and really, really like it. So we're really thankful for that. And we're also very thankful with our partnership with Sarah from Vander Jackets. And she does an amazing job creating some really awesome clothing around vests and jackets and singlets and all kinds of stuff for runners that's one of a kind uniquely made from reclaimed fabrics right there made in the usa and colorado and just some really cool stuff so if you're looking for a unique one of a kind kind of gift for your special runner we really encourage you to check out sarah and her company Andrew. 
Last thanks, Stephen, goes to our audio engineer, Steve, the Sly Dog Saunders. He does an amazing job, guys, putting together this podcast, and we're really thankful for that. So thanks so much, Steve. So with that, that is the end of episode number 48. Until then, get out there, run those trails. And keep running your asses off. Hi, this is Kate, and I'm a big-ass runner from the tiny town of Deer Trail, Colorado. Why is my phone going off? So we thought it'd be kind of fun to hear from people in their, their furry... In their furry... In their furry <laughs> uniforms. In their furry vests. So I had to leave and let so, them at it. So rude. It, well, a little bit. Yeah. I felt, I felt a little bit rude. Yeah. I felt rude. No, I felt that they were a little bit rude. Yeah. Well... Something like that. Feels like they need to do a little bit more data visual... <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of machine learning happened in that 20 minutes. Right. (laughs) I the giggles for a second. (laughs) Sorry, Steve. Yeah, it feels like they needed to do a little bit more of... I had some words, dang it. But if you're a Clydesdale or non-Clydesdale, we we would love to have you. Well, way to go, data scientists. I'm going to have to spur. I'm going to have to... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Splurge. And we're also really thankful with our partnership with Sander Varen. That... And without a Saturday stay over, that fare difference will be $1,137.11. Okay. All right.